one fund, on point for today, and the expert to talk about it. This is the ETF of the week. Welcome to the ETF of the week, where we get the latest take from Tom Lydon, Vice Chairman at Vetify, which has everything you need to be a smart, savvy, sound investor in exchange-traded funds. It's vetify.com, not just for more information, but for useful information that'll make you a better investor. Tom Lydon, it's great to chat with you again. Great to be back. Thanks, Chuck. Your ETF of the week is... The Goldman Sachs Hedged Industry VIP ETF, ticker symbol GVIP. GVIP, the Goldman Sachs Hedge Industry VIP ETF. This is not necessarily a completely unique bird, but it is a rare bird among ETFs because it tries to dig in with hedge fund managers. Explain this strategy and what's different about it and what has you looking at it now. So Chuck, the idea here is obviously the hedge fund industry has a lot of following. We've had a lot of ups and downs in the markets in the last couple of years. What this fund does is it replicates the top holdings of the biggest hedge fund managers. So for example, as they look at the biggest hedge fund managers and they pick the top 10 holdings, if those holdings or some of those holdings tend to correlate with other hedge fund managers, they will make their way into the portfolio. The great thing here is when you look at the underlying holdings, it looks somewhat like the S&P in the fact that it's got companies like Google and Meta, advanced micro devices, Amazon. At the same time, it's got other companies that maybe wouldn't make the top 10 the S&P, Mercado Libre, for example, that is an international company. So it's got international holdings. It's got those FANG stocks that we've known to uh, love and, and over the years. And on top of that, it has almost an equal weighting of the underlying. So, you know, in the S&P 500, you live and die by those top 10 stocks. They right now account for over 35% of the overall market value. In this ETF, you're getting a cross-section of top holdings from hedge fund managers, but there's not an overweighting towards any individual stock, which makes it really unique in the fact that the consensus of hedge fund managers many times are right. But number two, and this is really important, hedge fund managers aren't always having the hot hand. There might be a couple that do well over a certain period of time, and then the next year they fall to the bottom. This way you really get a consensus of some of the best companies out there by some of the best managers out there. But of course, normally when you're looking at a hedge fund, you're looking at it because it's going to zig when the rest of your portfolio might zag, or it's going to use a strategy that's designed to generate positive returns in all markets. Now, this fund is hoping that it's going to generate positive returns in all markets, but it's not really a hedge fund strategy, is it? It's hedge fund managers' top picks, but not a hedge fund strategy behind those picks, right? Well, you're right. And one thing that's very important to point out here, 
there's not a short component. Many hedge funds will have certain short allocations. This is long only. Long only consensus stocks among the biggest managers. That's really, really important. The other thing is what this performance has been able to bring forward is not only doing well when the market does well, but it doesn't give as much back when areas of the market that you think would be very aggressive being owned by a hedge fund. Because of that consensus across the board, for example, when you look at the NASDAQ 100 or if you look at uh, Kathy Wood's ARKK, a lot more aggressive in those areas, but they also own some of the same companies. So if you like innovative companies that would tend to do well over time that are bought by consensus, at the same time, your stomach has not felt very good in the last couple of years with all the volatility. Here's a way to maybe participate in a less volatile way, but you still have the diversification and almost equal weighting among the constituents in the index. This is a fund that's above its 200-day moving average. Is it a 200-day moving average play? Well, one thing, Chuck, you and I have talked about recently, and I'm not uh, avoiding the subject here, we know that a lot of people have money on the sidelines or they have a lot of money that's allocated more conservatively. Maybe it's uh, they, they put cash flow strategies in, there are value strategies or things like that. Look, I don't have to tell you, those aggressive growth stocks, the NASDAQ 100 stocks, those technology stocks, those FANG stocks are some of the best performers so far year to date. If you're not participating in those areas and you're looking for a, a governor on that aspect of your portfolio, here's a way to participate in a different way, and maybe while you're participating, you're not experiencing as much volatility too. Just something to think about. Yes, you could trade it on a 200-day average as well, and that would work fine. But I think the biggest thing today, and I, I feel bad because I keep mentioning it, as the market continues to chip away on the upside, but people still feel negative about the market, you don't want to be in a situation a year from now if the market's up another 10 or 15 or 20% and you didn't participate because you were nervous about volatility. This is going to be categorized and is categorized by Lipper Affinitive or Morningstar or whomever as a large cap equity fund, large cap growth fund. And that's not something that anybody really needs another one of. Now, we've talked about how this one is different, but how do you wind up justifying this? Like if you've already got plenty of large cap growth exposure. You've got Citigroup and you've got Ray, Raytheon and you've got some of the other big names that are here. What are you getting rid of to do this so that you don't overload and overdose on large cap growth? So I would take the other side of that argument. I would say there's too many people with too much money allocated to the S&P 500 that has too much allocated to just 10 stocks. So you should be diversifying, and this is an opportunity to have more diversification among more stocks and almost an equal weighting. So I think it would come from an S&P 500 allocation, number one. And number two, Chuck, you and I have talked about it, mid-cap stocks and small-cap stocks are 50% off compared to the valuation of large-cap stocks. And this also has some mid-cap stocks in there. It's got some international stocks in there as well. 
So if you look at your portfolio and say, yeah, I'm really light in those areas, I'm light in the SMID area, I'm light in international, this also checks that box, this is something to think about. It's the GVIP, the Goldman Sachs Hedge Industry VIP ETF, a potential alternative for some of your S&P 500 holdings and the ETF of the week from Tom Lydon at Vetify. Tom, great stuff as always. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Chuck. The ETF of the week is a joint production between Vetify and Money Life with Chuck Jaffe. And yes, that's me. You can learn all about my hour-long weekday podcast at moneylifeshow.com or by searching for it wherever you find your favorite podcasts. To learn more about investing with exchange-traded funds, to get great research and tools, check out vetify.com. They're on Twitter at Veta underscore Fi and Tom Lydon, their vice chairman, my guest. Well, he's on Twitter too. He is at Tom Lydon. The ETF of the week is here for you every Thursday, and we hope you'll make sure that you don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And of course, if you like us, we would love to have you leave us a review because they really do help. And if you don't like us, well, tell us what's wrong because we'd like to get better too. You can reach me, Chuck, at MoneyLifeShow.com with questions or comments. And we'll see you again next week. Happy investing, everybody.